Some substitute teacher stepping a trash can to get a laugh from the students. Some, like me, do it accidentally and still get a laugh from the students. But come on, that's not the dumbest things we've done, is it? All right, guys, I got to tell you again, we're our uh, Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook group is growing by about 50 to 100 members a week. We need you on there. Our, our hot topics the last week, I might start every episode by telling you this because we've really had some good discussions. Had a good discussion about uniforms this week, school uniforms. We've had a good discussion about how the way teachers treat substitute teachers at some schools. In fact, we've had a podcast episode about that you can look back and find. And there's just a lot of things out there that we want you to be a part of the discussion of. So jump on there. I think you're going to love it. And we'll be happy to see you when you do that. Now, as you can expect... I am not going to list a bunch of dumb things I've done to make students laugh, whether they be on purpose or accidentally. We're going to talk about some dumb things that we can learn from as well, and maybe some dumb things that you're doing that you don't even realize you're doing. So I will tell you this story. I had a student who I, now I had, I've had this student in class for three years now, so we know each other well enough to joke around with each other. And I made fun of him, not in a derogatory way, but in a joking way, because I mentioned Hillary Clinton, and he asked me if she was related to Donald Trump. So I thought that was funny. It just so happened I had just kicked the trash can across the floor. So as I made fun of him, he made fun of me. All the class was laughing, including both of us. So it was really kind of cool to see things like that. We do dumb things from time to time. I'm guessing that you're going to tell a corny joke every now and then to try to get them to laugh or maybe roll their eyes. I'm guessing that you'll share some stories. And I mean, I've shared so many stories about the dumb things I've done when I was their age. Like one time, I remember we had an assembly I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. I'm just not going to tell you. I told the students I was rushing to get off the top of a set of wooden bleachers. Now, if you're my age, you remember those old wooden bleachers that you pulled out by hand, and you could pull out a section at a time. So depending on the size of the group, administration would often just pull out a section or two. But even the ones that weren't pulled out, there were about three sets at the top of seats that we could sit in and all the cool guys thought it was cool to set up there. And, you know, back then administration didn't care whether you got hurt or not. That's a little overreaction, but we could sit up there. So one day I was rushing down the bleachers after the program was over. I was rushing from the skinny section of bleachers down to the full section. I was just going to step across. I missed my step fell all the way off those bleachers onto the ground. Now, the ground would have been concrete, but it just so happens. It was probably, 
It probably wasn't more than 10 feet, but that's a decent fall enough if you're not ready for it. And I think they had, I know I really didn't get hurt, even though they had me go to the nurse. I landed on some mats they had put out for gym class that day. So it wasn't too awfully bad, but I tell, I tell the students that story, especially why I, why I was trying to get down so fast and they think it's hilarious. You'll share dumb things like that, but let's talk about the dumb things we do. Maybe some of which you're not even aware of. Let's start with this one, and we're all guilty of this one. We'll go into a, whether it's just one day at a time or a long-term role, we'll go into a situation and we realize either given the subject or the student's that we need some help, but we don't ask for it. Now, I'll be the first to say that I want to try to get as much done as I can on my own. In fact, I hate to keep bringing up this Facebook group, but I just posted a question there, and I'm going to, given the answers, I'm going to make it into a future podcast episode about students who are good students but not, aren't necessarily motivated to get their work done, whether it's for me or for the teacher that I'm actually long-term. I've, I've long-term before in classes where they give me access to grades, and the, te- and the students that I feel like I'm having a difficult time, not so much. We still share stories. We still get along well with each other. It's just I can't really get them motivated to do the work. I kind of take that personally because I want everybody to grow educationally while I'm in their class, including having fun. I want them to have fun, too. But I'll look back at their grades sometime and realize they weren't really been that motivated for the teacher, too. And I'm on the Facebook group, I posted a question about that. What ideas have you had? Not... I'm not talking about ideas where you just say, I'm going to send them to the office, let them deal with it. Well, to me, I'll be honest with you, whether you like this or not, that is a cop-out, it's not productive, and it doesn't solve the solution. I'm looking for ideas of methods used in the classroom to help out. But what the dumb thing you don't want to do is never ask for help. I'll let it be a last resort. I'll go back to the example from several episodes ago where I was a long-term teaching for science, and I realized I didn't have the knowledge retention about the subject I was on to teach it properly. And I just, I told, you know, I had a pretty good friendship with the administration there. I said, listen, I'm afraid that these students are struggling because I'm not teaching the topic well enough. What can you do for me? And they did. Here's what I didn't want to happen. I didn't want to do the dumb thing of never asking for help, never making the situation better, never creating a better environment of learning for those students, never getting smarter people than me involved in the solution. I love having smarter people around. I graduated from a college in Kentucky that's called Eastern Kentucky University 
Back then, it was a big deal to go to your commencement. I'm not sure it's that big a deal now, but I remember the commencement the day I went was out on the football field. It was a beautiful day. The governor of our state, who was John Y. Brown at the time, this was back in 1980, I will tell you that, and he came to the commencement in a rather novel way, or maybe not so much, I don't know, came in a helicopter. He landed right there on the football field. Well, I don't know how much you know about John Y. Brown. I know you know who Colonel Sanders is. John Y. Brown bought Kentucky Fried Chicken to from C- Colonel Sanders way back a long time ago and really turned it into one of the biggest franchise companies in the world. And I remember, you know, this was, man, that has been 30, is that 50 years? No, not 50 years ago. What am I saying? It was back when I was 22. So, so much for me being a math teacher. About 40 years ago, I guess. When I was 22, I'm almost 64 now. So we're talking uh, roughly that amount. And he said, I'll never forget it to this day. He said, the secret to success is surrounding yourself with people who are more intelligent than you are. And I think, man, that is so true. Don't do the dumb thing of never asking for help. I'm not talking about help, about maybe a discipline situation or whatever. I'm talking about help that when you've tried things that aren't working, don't just give up. Don't be so arrogant that you don't think you should ever ask for help. Ask for help. There, every, every substitute job that I've had, every job I've had, every situation I've been in, every place I go to, there are smarter people around me, and I want to borrow from their knowledge and see how much I can learn. So I am not going to do the dumb thing of not asking for help. I've even told students sometimes, listen, especially in high school, because it's true. There are some things that you're going to be smarter than me at. I hope I can share what I can share with you that maybe I know better than you. I want you to share with me what you know better than me, and we'll both get through that together. I've said that we're currently teaching, getting ready. We're leaving the Great Depression here pretty soon and the New Deal and moving into World War II and those kind of things. In the history class I'm teaching now through April, I'm really enjoying it because it's giving me a method to look back and relearn some of those things, and I'm really excited about it. But I've told them, I said, listen, at the moment, you guys should be smarter than me on this topic because you've been in this class since August. It's now February. I'm recording this on February 19th, 2022. You're smarter than me. And then I'll say, it sounds a little arrogant, but I'll say, I don't want it to be that way by the time we get out of here. I want us all to be at the same smart level by the time I get out of here because I know that means I've done my job of studying properly and getting prepared for class. You've done your job of keeping up with the class materials and doing doing your work. So don't do the dumb thing of never asking for help. The next thing, this one is repeated so often, it's almost cliche. I hate to even bring it up. 
I'm using my dull, monotone voice because that's probably the attention it deserves, but it's real. If you want to be the best substitute teacher you can be, and I hope you do, I can't imagine anybody taking the time out of their schedule during a week to listen to a podcast about substitute teachers. I can't imagine you ever feeling this way. But sometimes there is the situations where we do the dumb thing of not preparing. Now, there is plenty of episodes that you can go back about how to find out about the subject you're teaching before you get there. Even if you just pick the job up a couple hours before class starts, there's ways to find out if you can't find out from the posting itself. But whatever you do, don't be prepared. Have all of your favorite background stories, the story of your life. I don't care if you have to kind of embellish a little bit, make some of them up, do something to engage those kids. Here's what I've found. If you go, if you do the dumb thing of just walking into the class, handing out the work, and then watching them do it, Not very motivating. Those are the substitute teachers that I didn't particularly care for back in the day. Here's what you should really do. Hang out in the hallway before they and watch the kids go into the room. When you walk into the room, be jovial. Maybe get there early enough so that you have written your name up on the board. If you're okay with being called, like in my case, if I want to write Mr. Collins, if I want to say Mr. C is all right, or any other version of your name that you like, do that. Have that prepared. In fact, the more laid back versions of your name, if you can be comfortable with letting them call that, uh, call you by that name, they love that. All of a sudden, you've made a connection with them, you will be able to see it in their faces. This is one of the teachers that will let us call him Mr. C. And then, you know what's going to happen? When they see you in other parts of the school, maybe seven for a class, they're going to call you Mr. C. They're not going to remember Mr. Collins, maybe, unless you impress them in other ways. They're going to think that is cool. It breaks the ice. Just calling yourself an unusual or laid-back version of your name, that is an icebreaker. You've already got them engaged. Maybe you will now have had time to glance at the material you're going to hand out and think of some stories that involve when you studied that same material in school before you hand it to them. Or maybe it's going to work out better, given the situation, after you've handed it to them. Share those stories. Tell them about, you remember the high school teacher that, and I do, one of my favorite high school teachers gave me a book, Mein Kampf, yes, that is Hitler's book, and he wanted me to analyze it. I hated going through that book. You know why he gave it to me? Because he knew I could handle it. I ended up making it enjoyable not history. Some people don't like history. My wife loves history. That was what she taught. You know, it's funny. I'm loving it right now because I'm studying it as the students are studying it. I'm learning as they go. Now, I will admit, and I've admitted to them, I've got more desire to learn the topic now as an adult because I just think it's something I should know. 
got more desire now than I did back when there was I was their age. So that tells you something. You know, maybe they're not really that much different than when I went to high school. It's just a matter of breaking the ice. Don't do the dumb thing of thinking you're going to be an effective substitute teacher just by going in, putting your butt in the seat, and watching them do their work. Engage some. Now, one thing I've been guilty of, and I guess you could put this in the dumb thing category too, don't over-engage. I've, I've uh, caught myself several times of maybe a student will work for a while and ask me a story or ask me what I think about this or if I had any experience with this, and I might tell a story, and before I know it, know it I've told a 10-minute story, and I've, quote, wasted, not really, but wasted 10 minutes of time that they could have been working on their assignment. They loved the story, but I got to be careful sometimes. Don't, get, don't do the dumb thing of sharing so many stories they don't have time to do their work. But share some. Be willing to engage with your name. Be willing to engage with the topic. Be willing to share stories. Maybe even throw in a trivia question or two. We were looking at the landslide victory that uh, Franklin Roosevelt had back when, right before he proposed the New Deal, because, you know, nobody really liked, I shouldn't say it like that, the majority of the country, as far as our textbooks tell us, didn't really like Hoover. He kept saying he was going to bring them out of the Great Depression, but really didn't put anything in place to do that. Roosevelt put some things in place, the New Deal. It didn't work at first. He tried some other things, but he tried. But what we talked about is the Electoral College, because if we looked at the numbers, it was like he got 89% of the Electoral College, and it was really only 59% of the vote. And we talked about why Electoral College was the way it is. And I basically told them the way I look at the Electoral College, states like Kentucky would never have a say in the election if it was always pure population because the vast majority of our population is in California and New York. So if we didn't have Electoral College, I love those guys. I know a lot of you live there. I've met some people that I like a lot. By the way, I will tell you this. We're getting off subject a little bit. I just have a new student in class this week from California and she said it, guys, I'm not going to be critical because everybody I've met in California, I like. But she said, it surprised me how much nicer the people in Kentucky are. And, you know, I know there's a small town, big town, some type of thing. And the bigger city you're in, I know this from St. Louis. I feel and I love St. Louis. I'm still a big Cardinals fan. But the thing I noticed in a bigger city like that. It's just more hectic. It's just more get out of my way. I'm going someplace. But here's my whole point of this. Always be prepared when you go into that classroom. Don't do the dumb thing of just coming in, sitting in the seat. I'll be honest with you again. There's my favorite phrase. I haven't, I don't know if I've said it yet this episode or not, so I got to get it in there. I think I have the reputation I have now. I'm not the greatest substitute teacher. You can't tell me that. But I do know I get asked back a lot, and I think it's because I'm dependable. I hated it this week because the teacher that I'm subbing for who will have a child soon, that's why I'm subbing for her, 
she was able to come by. I, I'd taken two days last week. She was able to come by Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week because the baby hadn't yet come. So she was coming back in, and they wanted they were going to let me work with her so that if she had to leave in the middle of the day, whatever, I would be there. And I got a really bad cold. I double checked. I gave myself two COVID tests over over the length of four days, I guess, to make sure it wasn't that. And it was. And I was negative in all regards. But I hate it that I couldn't go in those three days that she was able to be there and work with her so that we could get better at, I could get better at teaching those students when she leaves. I I felt well enough to go back in Thursday. And that was when she was going to be her first day back off again. So I've got the class to April. I'm always looking for great ideas to to make classes better. Another topic that I posted on the Substitute Teachers Lounge Facebook group, go over there again, please. But never do the dumb thing of going into a class unprepared. Make that class, I don't care what level you're teaching, as exciting and engaging with those students as it can possibly be. I'll close with this one because I wasn't always like this, but I am definitely like this now. If you do something in front of those students that is embarrassing, maybe to the point so embarrassing that they're afraid to laugh at first, even though they want to, man, laugh with them. Don't take it personally if they laugh. The instant you spout off at a kid for laughing at you for something you accidentally done, you know, I'll use the ridiculous example of the trash can. I'll be honest with you here. If you accidentally step in a trash can and it's funny, those students, and you get mad that they laughed, I don't know if you're in the right business. I really don't because that's ridiculous. Let them laugh at you. You're going to do some things that I'm a tripper. I trip over flat ground. It's crazy. I guess part of it's my age. And because I let those students laugh, I don't want to use the phrase at me. It's really with me because I laugh too. I have learned when I do dumb things, they make fun of me because of the way I lay things around. And I'll just, I've gotten to the point where I said, all right, guys, I've laid something down again. Find it for me. And they always do. They think it's funny. They, I, I poke fun at my color blindness. It came up again this week. And I, I couldn't believe I hadn't taught those students enough of them before that they didn't already know. But I'll, anytime color blindness comes up, I always talk about it a little bit. I talk about the XX chromosomes and the XY chromosomes and why more men have color blindness than women do. And it's really kind of a fascinating topic if you've, if you've never, never studied it. So moral is, guys, you're going to do dumb things from time to time. Laugh about them. Improve upon them. If they're causing your class to not learn as much, correct them. If, if it's a situation where you've done, done something dumb that the students may laugh at, laugh back with them. Make sure they know that's okay. I'm human. I'm going to do a dumb thing every now and then, and I don't mind if you laugh about it. Now, on the flip side, I'll close with this. If a, if a student does something similar, 
there's some students that will be embarrassed and can't get over it if you laugh at them. There are some that want you to laugh at them. And you got to kind of gauge that. So if you do dumb things as a substitute teacher, it's all right. Move on from it. Learn from it. Be willing to ask if you need to. And believe me, you're going to, you know, we learn more from the dumb things than we do from the smart things we did. Once we make those dumb mistakes, we might not do them again. We may, but we know how to handle it the next time either way. So that's it. You're going to do dumb things. I'm not going to say don't do dumb things because you're going to do them. Learn how to grow with them and help your students grow right along beside you.